Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest And uh, welcome back, everybody, to a very special edition of the Talking Terror program. Uh, this year is your old pal, the Dean of Horror. Uh, it seems that our usual uh, host leader, the King of Horror, Andy G, is unable to join us uh, this evening for a variety of reasons. So uh, you are stuck here uh, with the three of the rest of rest of us for tonight's episode discussing the monkey's pick cat people from 1982 which of course we will get to uh, much later in the show but uh, before we start talking about all of those things i'd like to take a moment uh, to welcome the ghoul of geeky to the show Wow, Dean. What an exciting introduction, man. You blew it out of the water. Your energy level is Dan. ridiculous, man. Holy cow. Dan Woo! <laughs> the king of horror is actually out this week. I can't remember the last time this happened, if ever. I, you know, I know we always joke about it. Like, oh, when he went to didn't <laughs> Did he go away? When he I went to remember. see Ghost, like, right? He had taken that time off that one Yeah, when he went to see... He went to see that concert, Ghost, right? That was when he missed the show. Yes, yes. There we go. So, so yes, this yep. is then officially the second time the King has ever missed a show. Well, we apologize, people. We apologize that the King is not with us. But, you know, this is because the King's dick is down. The King has been using that gigantic fucking enormous rod of his so much lately that he's developed yes. some kind of fucking rash. This huge blister formed in the end of that fucking end of his penis, and it's fucking, it's like the size of a baby's head. So you know what? He had to go to the doctor. He had to get some ointment. He's taking care of it. He's resting well at home right now. We love you, King. Get better. R.I.P. We'll see you soon, brother. I swear, we're here. And everybody, welcome to Talking Terror. <laughs> Oh, and, yeah. and here's the monkey. Also joined, uh, here's what I was saving all the energy for. We're also joined by uh, the Mad Monkey. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> this week, we are talking about pussy. We got hot pussy. We got hairy pussy. We got fuzzy pussy. We got white pussy. We got black pussy. We got red pussy. We got blonde pussy. We got virgin pussy. We got magic pussy. We got young pussy. We got circus pussy. We got Jerry Brockhammer as a producer. Who doesn't know a damn thing about pussy? We even got Transformer pussy. Hell, we even got Panther pussy. Pussy, pussy, pussy tonight. We are the Pussy Podcast, but as like a titty twister, you don't want to fuck it. Oh, yeah, make sure to follow Talking Terror on Facebook and Instagram. What is up, my friend family? Woo! <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there you have it. Those are the hosts that will be joining you uh, with the show this evening. And before we get into our <laughs> usual segment at this sorry. point, uh, uh, 
ghoul or monkey, is there anything that you would like to talk about as we're getting started here for tonight's program? Uh, I mean, I know uh, we're going to yeah, talk about it probably more next week if we, if I just, just interject real oh, quick. Yeah, I, know, yeah. you know, I do this all the time, Monkey. I apologize. I know you hate me for doing it. Dude, but, it you know, I just want, to, roll. just want to give a real quick RIP out there to Bray Wyatt, man. Uh, I know we'll talk about it more next week when the King returns because, you know, he is our fellow brother in, in, in watching wrestling and WWE events and whatnot, and I know it hit him pretty hard as well. But uh, but no matter what, man, you know, again, we, we did lose a, a, a great performer in the past week, uh, you know, due to a, a heart attack of all things, you know, because of uh, COVID, basically. It hit him, hit him really hard, and some pre-existing conditions uh, triggered an effect, and, and you know, the, the, the guy had a heart attack in his fucking sleep. So, you know, just, just for all those doubters out there, you know, obviously, look, COVID is still around. It still does have an effect. Surprise, surprise. It's, it's actually real. Um but I digress. Besides yeah, that, and, no, uh, nothing, nothing that I can think of off the top of my head. So, Monkey, the floor is yours. <laughs> well, like you were saying, though, yeah, tune in next week because we're definitely going to go more to this next week when the king is back, and we'll, we'll definitely be talking about that. But then on the flip side, it's not really horror news, kind of <laughs> horror news, but at the same time, you know, again, the ghoul and I are big, big Disney fans, and news has dropped that Disney is – Working on two new live-action movies. If you haven't heard, word is getting around, the rumor mill and whatnot. They're going to be working on a live-action Nightmare Before Christmas. And then word just dropped that they're going to be working on a live-action Moana. Uh, yeah, and the, the word is that they're going to be trying to get Johnny Depp in here as Jack Skellington for the Nightmare uh, Before Christmas. And then... Of course, um, talk is that Dwayne Johnson is definitely going to be in Moana, along with what's-her-name from the Spider-Man movies is going to be in there. You know, don't know if you heard this news yet or not, Ghoul. Um, it's just, ah, with a Nightmare Before Christmas, I'm just feeling like live action is like, either way, it's like you can't do live, live action for that kind of movie just because, of all the creatures that are going on in these worlds that you're going to see in these movies, it's like this, this thing is going to have to be heavily, heavily CGI'd, like even way more so than the, the Alice movies that Disney put out. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I knew of Moana um, because The Rock actually himself announced that. Um, he, uh, he did a whole big thing. I think it was either on Twitter or Instagram or whatever it was. It was a video and him saying, like, he is going to be playing Maui again, and this time it's going to be in a live-action version of, uh, of Moana. Uh, you know, and I'm looking forward to that. I, you know, Moana is one of those uh, – it's one of those Disney animated features that, you know, like the movies like the uh, Frozen come out, and they're gigantic hits, and you fucking, you know, you hear all about it and everything. Moana had one of those more, like, you know, subdued enthusiasm. People really liked it. It's, it's, it's a well-received film, uh, but it didn't hit the same, like, levels that, like, the Frozen Fever did. Uh, but it, it is. It's uh, a lot of fun. It's a good movie. Uh, I guess they're going to have Zendaya playing as Moana. That's it. Yeah, Zendaya is supposed to be playing Moana. That's right. I mean, you know, she's uh, she's a popular actress at this time. I, I do love her in certain things. Euphoria, 
being one of them. Um, so, you know, I mean, I guess they're playing with a hot hand that, they, that they've worked with. She is a former Disney kid. I guess you could consider her still a Disney star based on the Spider-Man films. Um, uh, I, I'm a little surprised at the casting, but not, you know, at the same time. Uh, now, as far as Nightmare yeah. Before Christmas, that this is the first time I'm actually hearing of that, and I'm surprised. Uh, I'm not surprised that Disney's doing it. Disney likes to make money, and they'll try to fucking, you know, they'll try to milk every property that they have in any way. You know what I mean? So, so that yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not shocked about. But this particular property, being that it is one heavily beloved, I mean, the people that are Nightmare Before Christmas fans fucking love. A Nightmare Before Christmas. I have friends. Um, yeah, they do. <laughs> my, my friends Matt and, and his wife Amber, their wedding was themed to A Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, like, that's the kind of, like, feverish fanaticism you have for, like, this particular franchise. This franchise is heavily stylized, and that's part of what makes it so unique. You know, the, the way it was made, yeah. the animation, the style, all of that. I don't care if it's fucking Johnny Depp as Jack Skellington. doesn't make a difference because guess what? You shouldn't know who the fuck Jack Skellington is because he's Jack Skellington. You know, so like the, the, the idea of like putting actors like, are you going to just put them in costumes? Then I might as well watch the original film again because it's that good. You know, so it, 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 it's, I feel like it's just Disney trying to, trying to milk that cow to say, hey, we we're going to do something interesting live action. But to me, it sounds like what you would just see on a Broadway stage. Can we even call Nightmare, Nightmare uh, Before Christmas, can we even call it a franchise when it's just one film that we're talking about? It's a franchise in terms of... Uh, uh, Merchandising. To look at Merchandise. You know what I mean? If you go and go like go to any like hot topic, go to any like Disney store, anything like that, Nightmare Before Christmas is indeed a franchise. They sell a oh, shit yeah, ton I, of stuff I, for I that see. property. You know what I, I mean? Yeah. I see I see yeah, you know, stuff from it around all the time. Yeah, so I'm yeah, not considering it a franchise, franchise as a film franchise. Yeah. I mean it is a franchise as a as a business model. Yeah, it's hmm. yeah, it's definitely got a huge cult following with a ton of merch behind it. You know, and it's just, yeah, I agree with everything you just said because, again, it's just such the stylized world that it is. It's just, uh, you know, for them to be able to get in there, though, you know, it's like, again, everyone's going to have to be highly, highly CGI'd, you know, to the point where, you know, it, like, in my opinion, it wouldn't be considered live action, you know. <laughs> and the thing is, I have is a proposal. Disney today... Well, hold on. But then also, is like, is Disney today willing to go down the dark route that Nightmare did back then? Yes. That I have no doubt about. <laughs> um, I think they don't, again, I, look, I love the Disney films, and I love the franchise. I love, love a lot of the stuff that they do, and just as much as I might hate certain things, I hate it because I love it. You know what I mean? This, this, like, people hate the Eternals. I kind of like the movie. It's a weird style film, and I get it. It might not be the best fucking Marvel movie, but, you know, there's something about that damn film that each time I watch it, I kind of like it a little bit more. Um, as far as them going down this dark path, 
Uh, yes, I could see I could see them doing it. Um, they're not going R-rated, but neither the, the original thing is it R-rated either. So, you know, they'll stylize it in a way that can keep with that darkness, but at the same time play to the, the themes of love and light. That is what the film is about. Um, that being said, here's my proposal. You want my ass in the seats to go see this this version of Nightmare Before Christmas? Got it right now. You're going to have Johnny Depp as Jack Skellington. I want Amber Heard as Sally. <laughs> oh, you sick twisted fucker. Oh, put shit. It, you put those two motherfuckers <laughs> back on screen like that together, you give me that, you get that girl on that damn thing to convince me that she's in love with that man, I will fucking pay it. To, I, will, I will pay. I'll even go above and beyond my A-list and pay to see the damn movie. That would be fantastic. <laughs> you have A-list. Can you already pay if you have A-list? Well, I pay a monthly fee to see 12 movies a month. You know what I mean? So, realistically, I'm paying, like, next to nothing to see to see films. Again, I, I'll be that, never, like, when AMC <laughs> goes out of business, it's not going to be like me going, oh, I don't understand why that happened. Like, I'm sorry, but you're literally giving movies away. Like, if you go to more than two movies a, a month, there's no reason not to have that program. You know how many current yeah, subscribers they have? What's up? Oh, no. You I know how many? I didn't even know if I had the ability to look that up. You want to call the CEO? The COO? I mean, I don't know. I know fucking Falkowitz <laughs> at the movie theaters. Maybe he can tell me. <laughs> yeah, you're there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Is he still there? He was there. He was, he was doing that ratting tool just a couple, like, a month, two months, three months ago. Something like that. We went in and, uh, you know, like I saw him and I said, like, hey, what's up or whatever. And then, like, I come back and him and Bonnie are talking. And uh, he's like, he's like, yeah, like, he probably doesn't even remember my name. And I called him Jeff. I called him by his brothers, but this isn't Jeff. It's Mike. Uh, no. Right. Yeah, I already. I think it's like Falkowitz. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think so, too. But, yeah, he, he's one of the Falkowitzes, you know? I said Jeff, and he's like, no, I'm the other one. <laughs> he's like, me? I was like, dude, you just work at the fucking movie theater, bro. Like, I've known you forever because of that. We went to high school together. <laughs> yeah, wow. Well, got to be the but longest tenured all... employee there, huh? <laughs> Ed Ligon, tuba. Exactly. But that's all, all, all I have for horror news, Gene. So what, have you, so what have you got this week, brother? Uh, I will. I will tell you. I will tell you. Uh, have Ooh. either of you guys seen the? It's it's a it's a specific uh, to Prime uh, film. Have either of you guys checked out this uh, the Black Demon? No, dude, not yet. Sorry. So it's. I uh, You know what? Black... I love shark movies. And, like, I was excited when I saw that one in the theater. Like, again, having the A-list, I was like, ooh, look, a shark movie. I love fucking shark movies. And you know what? This is one of those fucking moments where the movie theaters, like, A, it was only playing in, like, three theaters. Now, there's five theaters within, like, a half hour of me. But, like, the three that it was playing in was, like, the Mammoth Mall, the New Brunswick Theater, and, like, one of the other ones that was, like, a little bit of a, of a haul. But then to make it worse, it's like, okay, whatever. It's only a half hour. I could take the ride. Not a big deal. This was also one of those movies that was only showing at, like, 9.45 at night. And it's like, man. Listen, oh, what? I love a fucking good movie. 
but why you're only doing these late night fucking showings of this film? Like, I don't fucking get it. You know, it's the middle of the summer. It's a shark movie. Like, why this isn't getting like regular screen times? Like, you know, at least give it like two or three a night. But no, they'd have like one showtime, and it would be like nine o'clock in Freehold, nine thirty at the Monmouth Mall, and like ten fifteen in, in New Brunswick. And I'm old and sleepy. Uh, yes. So what I, uh, you know, for, for those of you that don't know, The Black Demon is a kind of supernatural giant shark movie starring Josh Lucas. Uh, Josh Lucas uh, was directed by Adrian Grunberg. Um, it, uh, you know, I don't know what kind of business it actually did in the theaters, but apparently since it had its debut on Amazon Prime, according to Amazon, it's been doing uh, gangbusters on the prime streaming service. Uh, like it's been their number one rated streaming property for, for over a week now. And so much so that where maybe without this kind of viewership, <laughs> it wouldn't have been talked about, but they're already talking sequel uh, to the black demon. Uh, obviously nothing about that is official and nothing could happen while the, the WGA and the SAG after strikes are happening, like everything else in the world of uh, viewership. But possible sequel to the black demon. I have not seen it. Um, I remember all the trailers and stuff uh, that were uh, coming about and uh, you know, I probably will check it out at some point. Um, But I, you know, because I kind of, you know, I didn't know, but being that I didn't see much in the way of theatrical promotion, I assumed it just kind of came and went from the theaters and you talking about those odd and random showtimes makes, makes sense. Uh, you know, I was just surprised to to hear how well it was doing on Prime. Uh, and that I guess that makes sense when I open Prime. It's like the first thing that you see. It's like all big and it's like the Black Demon. So um, I guess that kind of makes sense given how, how well it's been doing. Why everybody's clicking it. Now, what they really need to ask is how many people are actually finishing it. Now, interestingly enough, for a film that's doing like so well, and it is currently right now number nine most searched thriller movie on streaming today. So I guess Amazon saying whatever they're saying is, is definitely helping uh, boost those, 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 those watchings. But as of right now, it's got a rating of 4.1 out of 10 on IMDb and a 31% hmm. on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so it's definitely a, a, a beloved movie, to say the least. <laughs> and uh, as far as box office goes, uh, I don't think they even gave you anything on that in uh, terms of, like, it's Wikipedia. It just says the movie was released. And, oh, see, interesting. The movie was released in April of uh, 2023. That might explain why I saw the late showtimes. I guess the movie just kind of came and went. I don't remember it, like... It was it was on streaming like less than a month later or about a month later and I remember just it was one of those where it was like twenty bucks to to buy it and I was just like yeah I'm not gonna do that but now that it is on the streaming service that I do pay for monthly I will indeed tune in and watch the Black Demon as well who knows who knows maybe by tonight's end the Black Demon will be next week's pick we don't know we we don't know this motherfucker. <laughs> so I am seeing, I am seeing seeing that uh, it had of a budget of under ten million dollars, and it it earned only three million in its short theatrical run. Damn! <laughs> and uh, nine, its nine arrival on streaming apparently. Right. Uh, I don't know about that anymore, but uh, its arrival on streaming apparently has 
changed things completely uh, since it hit Prime on August 22nd, um, beating out other titles available on stream, such as Cocaine Bear, uh, Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, and the second season of their big hit series, The Summer I Turned Pretty. So, um, you know, it's been doing big, big business for on Prime, on Prime Video. Interesting. Because I mean, Dungeons and Dragons is on yeah. Paramount, I believe, for the last yeah. like, two months yeah. or so. It's on, and yeah, it's still on Paramount Plus. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me two months later that that it's fading to to a shark movie that just recently popped up on there. But okay. I don't know, man. You know, whenever any of these <laughs> streaming services start fucking hyping whatever it is that's on their service, you know, like I'm just dust because it's like, yeah, sure thing, man. Take like, it with a grain of salt, okay. man. <laughs> I, I feel like that's like when last week we were talking about whatever we were talking about on the air, and suddenly my phone started showing me fucking advertisements for it. You know, it was like, okay, that's kind of weird. I feel like they, they try to will some of this shit into, like, popularity, you know? So if Amazon says a lot of people are watching it, people are going to automatically go and start checking it out, and then, boom, all of a sudden what they said is actually happening. Agreed. <laughs> All the conspiracy, man. They're fucking watching us, bro. We're done. Yeah, dude. Too much. <laughs> so that is what is anyway, going is on in the, in the world of shark <laughs> So, and 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 you heard it. You heard it right here first. Anything is possible. Maybe Black Demon will even be next week's. Don't know, and we won't know until later on in tonight's episode. Uh, you know, this summer uh, saw the big box office bonanzas of both Barbie and Oppenheimer, uh, and much fun was had in the internet realm with, uh, you know, doubling up those movies for the what they were calling Barbenheimer, uh, with all kinds of fun. Uh, creative memes and advertisements and all of this, um, you know, both of the films doing uh, big business with, uh, you know, Barbie, the clear winner as far as uh, box office money. Uh, but it was only a matter of time since until somebody would go down this road. And for this particular pursuit, it's none other uh, than the creative folks over at Full Moon Features, uh, who have announced that they have started production on their original Barbie film. Barbie versus Oppenheimer. <laughs> not Barbie, not not Barbie versus Oppenheimer. They are uh, in production on a film that's taking that fun terms, and that film is simply going to be called Barbenheimer. Uh, they wow. are working on. <laughs> they are work. They're working on this film right now. They hope to have it ready for a Christmas 2020 release where it will uh, debut both on their own full moon streaming service as well as Amazon Prime. Uh, There's no information on, um, you know, uh, cast or plot synopsis, uh, which reads as follows. Uh, Deep in Dollsville... Fed Up Dolls team up with Dr. Barbenheimer to build an atom bomb to bring down the patriarchy once and for all, uh, leading to an epic battle of the sexes. Uh, 
so the fed-up dolls uh, are planning to build an atomic bomb with Dr. Barbenheimer. And uh, that is what's going on over in the world of Full Moon. <laughs> Holy shit. Next is going to be like Barbie versus Puppet Master and shit like that. <laughs> Bar- Barbie versus Ooga Booga. <laughs> Dude, I mean, it's... It, well, I mean, obviously they can't use Barbie because Barbie is a trademark. But, oh, yeah. you know, I'm sure... <laughs> I'm sure we can get Barbenheimer versus, you know, <laughs> fucking, you know, Puppet Master or Ooga Booga or, or any number of their, uh, you know, the evil bomb. <laughs> yeah, he, he can get involved. <laughs> All of our favorites. There we go. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Indeed. So what else yeah. do you got? All right, you? so... <laughs> Uh, I will, I will, I will tell you all uh, what else I got, because uh, there are several things on the uh, docket here to talk about. And uh, next up, uh, so uh, there was a lot of buzz throughout the summer leading to the release of the release of the Last Voyage of Demeter, um, and I have learned that it is already on video on demand uh, with an eighteen dollar and eighty eight cents rental price and a twenty three dollar and forty eight cents purchase price. Uh, apparently. Uh, this was not planned for this to hit video on demand so quickly, uh, but it's a push to try to make some more money off it because apparently thus far it has barely made uh, $15 million at the box office. So uh, Last Voyage of the Demeter, uh, which I have not seen, I don't know if any of, of you have, but apparently it's, it's not mm-hmm. doing very well at all. Uh, so they're trying mm-hmm. to get it in, in the home screens uh, to hope to stir up a little little business here. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw it in theater. Um, that, that was the last uh, the last movie that I did see. Um, I enjoyed it. I know I spoke to to the, the king about it. I think last week. Um, yeah, it was a fun little. Uh, it was a fun take on the one chapter captain's log out of Dracula. You know, I mean, it's it's basically Dracula's ship ride over. So you know, but at the same time too, I did have a buddy from uh, work. He had messaged me and. Uh, he had asked, he's like, you know, like, is, is it worth buying or should he wait to, to rent it? And, I mean, I gave him the honest opinion to wait to rent, you know. Um, it's, you know, they're, they're asking for 20, 20 bucks for the movie. Um, I don't know if the movie's worth $20, a $20 purchase. You know, it's not something that I feel like is, is got a, a heavy rewatchability factor. Um you know, so so other than just but, if you really love Dracula and you got to have every Dracula fucking movie ever made, well then sure thing, go ahead and buy it at twenty dollars. Me, I'm gonna wait until it like goes down to like maybe like an eight ninety nine or nine ninety nine purchase or my favorite if it goes to the four ninety nine bin. You know where, where but, I, I love to pick up films. Yeah, no, and I know that but, you do that. But here's the thing, right? And maybe I missed if you said this already, and we don't need to get into any kind of like spoilers about it, of course. But like. Was it good? Like, was it a good movie? Because, you know, Dracula stuff is usually pretty popular. And uh, granted, uh, you know, I think it was like a, maybe a niche market for this one, but like Renfield barely hit $30 million at the global box office. I think it came in around $28 million. I don't know what the budget was, but like not the greatest showing. And, and you know, $15 million is, 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 is hardly anything. And, you know, I know there, I, I don't know, uh, I don't know um, 
you know, how this movie was marketed or pushed. If, if I don't know if they missed the mark on that. Um, I don't know if there was any pre-release buzz. Um, you know, I didn't hear much about it. So I'm just, I'm just curious as to what happened and if this is like a good movie that people are just missing the opportunity to, to see or missed the opportunity to see. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, if you were to ask me, was this movie well made? It's a, it cost them $45 million to make. That was the budget for, for the movie. This is a beautifully filmed movie. The, the set is, is wonderful. The cast is, you know, it's a mix of faces that you're going to recognize um, with performances that all of the people that they, they asked. Um, it's one of those two where, you know, there, there's an actor, David Dastmalchian, um, like off the, like he's been in a lot of things, you know, and he's one of those. David Duchovny. You'll see his face. No, not David Duchovny. <laughs> From this light, you kind of look like David Duchovny. Oh, guys. Um, <laughs> so, so he's one of those actors. If you see his face, you're like, oh yeah, no shit. I remember seeing him. And it's like he's in Batman Begins. You know, he's in. Uh, Fuck, uh, look again, like off the top of my head, I cannot tell you other movies that he's in, but he's been in a shit ton of stuff. Um, He kind of, he's an underrated actor because like anything you end up seeing him in, you immediately are always like kind of like fixated on this guy. And he again is so fantastic in this movie and he's got a bigger role in the film, which is really, really great. Um, he's not the main, the main lead, but you know, he's, he's one of them up there uh, as a whole. Yes. You know, you know me with movies, go to the fucking theaters and go see this movie. And I guess if you didn't go to the theater and see it and you want to, oh, you know, and you want to watch it now, then by all means, purchase the movie. It's a good movie. It really is. It's fun to watch. It's a little bit, it's a, it's a Dracula film, so it is a bit of a slow burn to a degree. But, you know, it is, it is fun at the same time. You know, for me, like I said, I've seen it already. I've got the A-list. That's how I went and went and saw it. I saw it the way it was meant to be seen, in that theater. Nice on the big silver screen, as Nicole Kidman likes to tell me. So I planted my ass in that seat. <laughs> all right. Thank you for all of that ask. information because truly, like I said, Dracula stuff um, is usually so – I hadn't checked in on, on how this one was doing, but when I saw this story, uh, I was kind of surprised, I guess, to, to, to hear how poorly uh, it had performed. Uh, but then, like I said, like I didn't see much in the way of promotion or – or anything. So who, who knows what happened there? Um, you know, sometimes sorry, I, also, I did mean to actually have something to say on that. And then monkey, if you want to weigh anything, man, I'm sorry. Um, Dude, we're cool. Here, here's the thing. I don't remember them really like promoting this movie as a Dracula film. I don't really remember them promoting this movie as a vampire film. Really? You know, a lot of the promotions from the trailers that I remember seeing at AMC, um, you know, prior to seeing other movies, made it out like it was just a monster movie. So if you didn't know that the title was connected to Dracula, you might not necessarily have known that it was a Dracula or vampire film. Um, 
But on top of that, too, I really think, like, we're kind of at a point where it's almost like we were with the zombie shit. It's like vampire burnout. You know how it goes. You have a shit ton of franchises. So there were vampires on TV. There were vampires on fucking HBO and cable. They had them all over the movies. It's it's one of those things that surges and then goes away, surges and goes away. And I kind of feel like we're on one of those, like, those those downturns for it, you know, I just recently watched Renfield finally, and, like, that was something, like, I wanted to go see in the theaters, and I could have used my A-list pass to go see it. Did I? No. You know, it had been on streaming for, what, like, two months now? Did I go around and watch it? Not, I didn't go out of my way. I finally, like, the other day was like, oh, okay, I'm going to finally watch Renfield. And then it took us, like, three days to watch it. We, like, watched it for, like, an hour, stopped it, went to bed, like, watched a little more the next day, stopped it, and then, like, finished it the following evening. Um it's a fun movie. Don't get me wrong. And it was, it was go- more gory than I expected. I think out of anything, what, oh, yeah. I, what I expected to, what I expected to hate out of Renfield is what I ended up finding myself loving the most, which was Nicolas Cage's performance, because I was so afraid that he was going to overdo it and like make it a Nicolas Cage thing. When the reality is, is he very much channeled a fucking Bella Lugosi level fucking, you know, performance and then just kind of tweaked it oh, with a little bit of cageism. Yeah, hell he yay, dude. I, I thought the film was extremely respectful to the original Universal material while at the same time having fun with its own shit. You know, it, it's definitely a fun watch, Gene. All right. Good to, you know, good to know. Um, I just feel like the whole, and like you said, like if, of it being – you know, not necessarily marketed as like a Dracula or a vampire film. I think that's pretty accurate because like I did see some stuff about it, but like I didn't even know what it was or what it meant or what it was about. You know, so uh, any any advertising I did see didn't really do a good job of uh, of explaining explaining that. See, you're a dean. You should know this stuff. You should know literary things. You should know that the last voyage of the Demeter was was the captain's log of the movie of the, of the book Dracula by Bram Stoker. Like you should know these things. Yeah, that's, highly intelligent that's a little that's a little above the pay grade of, of the of the age range that I work with. <laughs> what, you can't say reading Dracula? I had read it by that age. What was it, seventh, eighth grade? Uh six, seventh, eighth. Gotta get these kids some fucking real books, man. <laughs> stop with the stop with Lady Chatterley's yeah. lover and give him fucking Dracula, man. <laughs> Who? Lady Chatterley's lover. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know that one either. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like literary porn. <laughs> well, anyway, it's a uh, it's that's on one Demarco in the world of uh, the last voyage of the Demeter. So, um, there there you have that. Uh, in the current world of things that are going on in in the horror universe, um, I so bloody disgusting. Uh, you know they they have their own service called uh, Screenbox. Um, if anybody wants to sign in, you can just put in the password "The King Loves Dawn 2004" and check it out. Um, <laughs> and you bastard. Yes, yes, yes. But what's the email address? Huh? Well, what's the email address? What's the, what, what's the uh, username? Damn. 
Big King um, loves Snyder. <laughs> I don't even know. Add Hotmail. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, Zack Snyder is a genius at AOL dot com. Um, so anyway, AOL. <laughs> Here, so, I have an AOL demo disc. <laughs> I I did not even know that this was was a thing. Um, I like like many people in my age range are uh, am a a huge fan of the original uh, RoboCop film. I just fucking love it. Yeah. Um, and I feel that people in my general age range, uh, I feel like the love for that film, I feel, I, it is truly one of those that I feel like for people in my general age range upon its release, uh, like would have a love for this film that like couldn't equal the love that someone from another generation has for it. Um, for the ages that we were when that thing was released. So I love it. But I have learned that on Screenbox, uh, there is a comprehensive four-part documentary about RoboCop called RoboDoc, the creation of RoboCop. Uh, It's going to have four weekly installments. Uh, The first one has been released the first uh, of the four uh, of these episodes, and it's going to be an in-depth look at the creation of the franchise, and it features new interviews uh, with Peter Weller, uh, Ronnie Cox, Nancy Allen, Ray Wise, and director Paul Verhoeven. Uh, The first episode is titled Destination Delta City, and, uh, you know, if you are into all things RoboCop, this is going to, you know... Uh, have everything you want. It's coming to us from the makers of the Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares, the Robert Englund story, which is also now streaming on Screenbox. And, um, you know, if you are into all things RoboCop, you should be, you know, making a plan to check this out. I don't even know of its uh, existence. I'll be adding it to the list on on Screenbox, uh, on the interface there. Very cool, man. It's Yeah, so, uh, I, mean, I I agree with you, Dean, as far as like RoboCop goes. You know, I think uh, you know generationally speaking, I think it's just one of those films where like we were at like like we were at a weird age when RoboCop came out. You know what I mean? Like we were we were kids on the cusp of like teens. You know, we were in that like just around tween territory. I think I was just like just before it. And you know, like I feel like RoboCop was one of those 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 films that kind of got. I don't think people really like realized what it was that was being put on that screen and in that film. So the movie ended up getting kind of like pushed towards like, oh, this is something for kids. It's a robot cop, you know? Everybody go see it. But then you go and see this movie and it's like absurdly violent and absurdly dark and absurdly funny. And it's like, holy shit, you know? Like, oh, look what they're making for kids like us! You know, and it was like... I know. That's one of your... I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, that's one of those weird things. So I'm, I just pull up some information right now. 
Uh, the original Robocop was released on J- July 17th, 1987. So I was less than a month away from turning, uh, from turning 11. So I was 10. And I was uh, around 10. The first Robocop Nine or 10. hit the theaters. Now, I can say for certain, like with certainty, that I did not see Robocop in the theater. I didn't see it. No. I don't know if it would have been a rental or if I saw it when it hit the, you know, the premium cable market on HBO Showtime or Cinemax. But uh, what I will say is for sure, like, it, it, I, don't, I, I, I don't have a recollection if, if, if the first one, because I know definitely the second one was marketed as more of a, a kid's movie. But uh, I don't know for sure that, that was the first one was, up was marketed <laughs> Was, no, yeah, but but remember the second one was not as as did not feature the same amount of violence and gore uh, that the first oh, one did. Yes, even it had did. a little bit. The second one, then it maybe I'm thinking have, of the third one, which is the you're one. Think of the third one with, just, with just, Japanese just ninjas my and flying Robocop. Yeah, the second right, that, one that is that the one where they introduced that. Fu- they introduced that, that was road the one written by Frank which Miller. Which is getting dealt and fucking sold by some little kid who takes over the fucking entire drug organization after the main guy that was in charge of it, who did all kinds of fucked up shit and was also a nuke addict himself, gets put into a robot body just like RoboCop, except like even more badass. Like, yeah, they go fucked up with RoboCop, too, man. There's an entire, like, small montage of them showing you all other versions of RoboCop that other companies are trying to make and how they fail. And if I remember right, like, one of them, like, they show, like, the guy's face, and he realizes he's in a robot body, and he takes a gun and just blows his fucking brains out. Like, there was some fucked up shit in RoboCop, too. I had the novelization, so, like, I remember reading it. And it was like, yeah, man, that's some fucking dark shit in this fucking story. All right, then. But also, it was, uh, that, I, it I, was also that. I come, oh, sorry, I come, go ahead, Dean. I come to my co-host asking forgiveness with a punch of some buttons. Uh, RoboCop 2 uh, was also even rated R. It wasn't until RoboCop 3 that it became PG-13. And the question that I was going to ask before all of those descriptions, because I certainly don't remember, uh, you know, the ninjas, but I remember the drug called Nuke. RoboCop 3 is the one, because this was like a big part of the commercials, where like someone was smoking, and RoboCop was like not smoking, and he pulls out his gun and shoots bullets like all around the guy's head, but doesn't hit the guy. So like his head is in the, the shape of the wall from the bullet holes, and then he says like, thank you for not smoking, and puts his gun away. Like that was RoboCop 3, right? Probably. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? <laughs> like I remember it so uh-huh. clearly, uh, but that must have been, uh-huh. been RoboCop 3, because truly... I- uh, then I don't really remember RoboCop 2 very much at all. Uh, but I will say that, yes, RoboCop 1, the first original, while not, uh, I don't think it was advertised as a kid's movie, I don't think that uh, anyone realized the level of violence and gore, and it was just a movie about a robot cop, and people were like, oh, yeah, this must be for kids since it's a robot cop. And, you know, we were like, all right, let's get let's watch RoboCop, and then there's just like fucking blood and guts and 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 ooze and grossness and like this body parts being blown apart and toxic waste melting and like all of that stuff and like ice picks into the well not an ice pick but like that that spear into the side of the fucking skull and you know even the scene when when he when he brings the dude into the fucking uh, police station and he spits blood all over the paperwork like there was some fucking 
the gross and violent shit in RoboCop in, in the best possible ways. And I just love that fucking mm-hmm. movie so very much. That that is one of them that in most every situation, if I'm if I turn on the TV and RoboCop is on, like I'm not changing the channel. Like that's one of those movies for me. Mm-hmm. Plus, it was also that weird ass time where this was, you know, the action movies of that caliber were considered family rental movie night. You know that that's what the families would get together and watch is shit like this, shit like Die Hard, you know, Predator, you know, um, you know, these were all considered family movie night shit because of, you know, weird fucking times, making a blockbuster night. And make sure you bring home a rated R action movie full of a bunch of fucking blood and stuff. Horror is bad. Heavy metal is bad, but it's okay for us to sit here and watch Arnold Schwarzenegger bunch of blood, blow a bunch of holes in someone because that's family entertainment in America. <laughs> but again, the level of gore and violence in all of those films, because I, I totally get what you're saying there, you know, Die Hard, you know, uh, yeah, all the Schwarzenegger films at that time, they are all rated R movies, and, you know, they all do have their, their level of violence. But not the level of splatter and blood and guts, man. Exactly. It's not like that, like that, that, that viscera. It's not the, the over the top, like, because I think the problem is people don't see that gore and say, well, that's over the top and ridiculous. They see that gore and they think that that's realism. You know, like I think of like, when I think of like Commando, right? And there's a whole lot of violent sequences that occur in the movie Commando. I mean, the man is literally a one man fucking walking tank. But like for me, like when I do think of like the violent sequences in the movie Commando, the first thing that comes to my head when I think of like a gory, somewhat violent point is when he throws the fucking saw blade and cuts off the top of the guy's head. But, and that's like one <laughs> tiny second in a much there are, there larger are two film. Others. There are two others. All kinds of uh, other crazy violence in it, you know? Yeah. And like, I get it to see the, the, the dick at the end and, like, all that shit. But, like, again, like, all of it pales in comparison to me because that buzzsaw was like a fucking horror movie scene more than it was like an action violence scene. The buzzsaw... And in, in the same, so I just te- sent it to you guys. That actually is RoboCop two with the smoking. But also in that same sequence with the with the with the throwing of the saw, the saw blade, he he also takes the machete and cuts off the guy's arm. And then mm-hmm. earlier in the film, when when he fights when he fights Cook in the in the motel room, when the when the, the, the upside down table goes through his the upside down table goes through his chest, and then they show it, and there's like some spurting blood and, and everything, but. But even still, those three those three instances are, as far as the amount of people that were shot or stabbed or blown up and all of this, there wasn't visual blood and guts in a lot of the scenes. Like there's there's broken bones and broken necks and you know knives being thrown into people's chests, but there's not the level of splatter and viscera and, and like like and like entrails and and everything. Yeah, instant death. And, and like instant deaths, you know, as opposed to like, you know, all of these mines and all of these grenades blowing up and there's guys laying around with like fucking missing limbs screaming like, you know, where's my mom? Where's my mom? You know, I don't want to die. Like, like all of that level of like twisted, fucked up, almost real level, like violent reaction. And I got to feel like that's what Verhoeven did with the RoboCop movies by making that gore, that extra little bit over the top, it kind of adds, like, this is, like, the real deal to it. And, like, again, too, I think, like, part of the thing with the RoboCop thing, you got to remember, there was a RoboCop arcade game. RoboCop 
cartoon came out yep. during the same time frame action. as RoboCop 2. Action figures. You know, so uh, the action figures, it was a toy line. Like, all of these things are specifically targeted towards children for a movie that they should not have been able to watch. Like, there should have been no way. Now, I didn't see RoboCop in theaters. I rented it, you know. I remember it being, like, yeah. one of those where I was so thrilled to fucking get it from the video store. And, you know, yeah. it was like... Woohoo! Yeah, I'm gonna finally you know, watch RoboCop. And again, in my head at this point, all I'd ever done was play the RoboCop video game. Like I saw commercials, I played it in the arcade, which you know I would maybe I get like game. halfway through the first board and die. Same you know? here. So it's not like I knew yep, anything about the story. So it was like fucking hey man, I'm gonna finally watch this. And then to see that level of like just gore and violence and absurdity, I was like. Holy fuck! Like this, this, like it felt like a secret. It felt like I shouldn't let anybody else know that I'm watching this right now because this can't yeah, be right. Yeah, you don't want to get busted. You don't want to get fucking busted and lose the privilege, you know, uh, for real. And and that's what you're. And 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 that's a perfect point because my brother, who is three years younger than me, him and some of his buddies from the neighborhood, uh, you know, they they form like their little kid club. And uh, my parents had like an ancient tent from the '70s in the garage that. They took out and set up in the backyard on the other side of that, that wooden shed that was in my parents' backyard. And, like, they had their little mm-hmm. – that was their little clubhouse, and they called their club Robo Kids, the future of clubhouse enforcement. They had T-shirts made and would, like, hang out <laughs> back there. And, like, wow. Like, like, for real. For real. And, and, and he was three years younger than me, you know? And, like, that is the level of reach that this, this, this absurdly violent property uh, – Scotty. Uh, fucking legend. Had its had – it, <laughs> Yeah, had its fucking life. They did. They had little T-shirts. Robo Kids, the future of clubhouse enforcement. I think that Boat Jarvis was one of the clubhouse members. (laughs) Oh shit! In that era, like he was my brother's age, so in that era, um, you know, in that time frame, like that that would have made sense. But anyway, uh, this is not this is not talking RoboCop. Uh, This is talking terror. And indeed, speaking of terror, uh, one of the most popular new properties in the world of horror is the Terror Fire. And uh, both Terror Fire and Terror Fire 2, uh, both uh, created by Damon Lee. Uh, Terror Fire 2, on a 200, as we know, on a $250,000 budget, brought in $15.1 million at the box office. And to celebrate one year, uh, since its theatrical release, uh, on November 8th, Terrifier 2 is once again going to be released theatrically nationwide. Continue to strike while that iron is hot. Uh, so, uh, you know, I have not yet seen the sequel to Terrifier. Um, it is on my list, and this is on, like, like, I have two lists, right? I have the list a mile long of things that I really want to watch really badly, movies and TV shows, that I'll probably never watch. And then I have the list of things. <laughs> then the second list is all the movies, mostly movies more than shows, um, but uh, things that are on my list that I, uh, that I for sure at some point will make it a point to watch. And Terrifier 2 is on that list. I do look forward to watching it. I, did, you know, I didn't think that the first Terrifier was a great movie, but on the other side of that coin of saying that I didn't think it was a great movie, I really enjoyed watching it a whole lot. Uh, so... Um, I do look forward to seeing the sequel, and we know that Damien, and also that many parts of uh, 
the Terrifier films were filmed in, in our hometown, uh, the Gulen of Manalpa, New Jersey. Well, not our home hometown, but our, our formative years town of Manalpa, New Jersey. Um, I do look forward to seeing Terrifier 2 and Terrifier 3 with a much bigger budget will be coming down pipe at some point in time. Uh, but if you were hoping for the opportunity to see Terrifier 2 in the theater on uh, November 8th, and this isn't one of those, I don't think this is one of those Fathom Events things where it's like a one night only. It's like a legit re-release based on business, I would imagine. So, But that's November 8th. So if you want to see Terrifier 2 in the theaters, uh, you just have uh, you know a couple months to wait. Mm, cool. Very cool. Very cool, man. Yeah, I've seen it. I've yeah. on Screenbox. I, I specifically got Screenbox yeah. so I can watch it. Um, you know, I'm, uh, yeah, uh, again, at some point or another, we can, uh, we can, we can definitely do Terrifier 2. Uh, you know what? Maybe that'll be my pick for next week, except I know the Dean won't be here. So you I know, if I pick it that way, then I'm, uh, then I'm really fucked up for doing that because you know what? I know the King hates it and now the Dean won't get to see it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, as I, uh, you know, I talked about some of this last week. And uh, it seems that the following week also, maybe I'll be able to do the first hour of the show on my way. But the following, say the 13th, uh, is the night that I am going to have the opportunity to see in the movie theater. So uh, I could probably do the first part of the show like on the way because the, the screening the screening starts at seven o'clock my time and our show show starts at six, uh, so I can do the first part uh, because Christine is going to be in the theaters on Sunday the tenth and Wednesday the thirteenth and and Sunday just isn't going to work for me. Uh, but I you know in fact uh, they live is this Sunday the third and then Wednesday the sixth and unfortunately neither of those are going to work for me so I'm going to miss the opportunity to see they live in the theaters but uh, sorry guys I'm I'm not missing the opportunity to see Christine in the theaters it's that important to me uh, so but I should be able to do like the first 45 <laughs> minutes or so of the show yeah that's fucking awesome what dates are, what dates is it in the theaters yeah like uh, so they live is in the theaters on uh, Sunday. September 3rd and Wednesday, September 6th. And Christine is in the theaters Sunday, September 10th and Wednesday, September 13th. Shoot for the 10th. This way I don't miss walking terror. Yeah, and that you'd have to, that's one of those that's a Fathom event. You'll have to go to the Fathom website and find out what particular theater uh, or in your general area will have it. You just punch in your zip code and then it tells you. Um, you know, I'll be going to that one in the East Bay where I've gone, the, the same one where I saw Rad and where I saw Jaws and IMAX um, and where I, you know, so uh, it's just, I, like, I, I will be super bummed to miss They Live, but I would be, like, devastated to miss Christine, so um, that is what my plan will be, but being that, again, that it's a 7 o'clock showtime, I should be able to do the first 45 minutes or so of the, of the show next week. So two, Sweet, two, two. I can do it at 4 p.m. in Freehold or 7 p.m. in Freehold on the 10th. And it is excluded go. from A-list, so I would have to pay for it, but it is right available through the AMC app. So you do not have to go to the, a- to the Fathom event thing. You can actually just go and buy it from wherever you think is, as long as the movie theater is showing it. And as of right now, this is one of those weird ones, because I'm looking at – okay, I get it. It's September 10th, right? The theater is yeah. completely empty. Like, there's no seats taken except 
except for the first three seats in the very first row to the right what? and the first seat in the front <laughs> That's row. That's so weird. In the center. It's, like, bizarre. I'm going to snap a picture. It's almost like somebody bought the seats, but, like, I mean, are they really going to sit there? Like, who the hell is going to sit That's there? That's weird. It's like completely <laughs> weird. That's weird. I just, uh, found it right there. I just sent it to the group. It's fucking absurd. But uh, I will look right now and see what the <laughs> ticket prices are. So that uh, it's a, Whatever it is, it's going to be people... a universal price. Well, no shit. Well, I don't know about that. Maybe, maybe not. Did you tell them what the well, universal it's price is? It's event, and that's, that's the case. Okay, so what's what's the universal price, Dean? Did you tell them? Well, no, because I don't fucking know what the universal price is because I didn't buy my fucking ticket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, see, I'm letting them know. So the price of admission for an uh, well, adult let's find out. Let's find child, out. Let's find out, cool. If you even, tell me, you look it up and you tell me what board, your fucking price is. Regardless yeah. of what your age is, the price of these tickets are $18 a ticket. All right, I'm pulling it up right now. I'm pulling it up where I'm going. 7 o'clock on September 13th. I'm pulling it up right now. Let's see what I'm looking at. And I'm on the I'm on the please tell us. $18. Adult, child, or senior, $18. Wow. Wow, Dean. Thank you. Thank you for, for reiterating what exactly it is that I just said. Because it's universal, so you're paying 18 and I'm paying 18. And I see the screenshot that you just sent. Who the fuck bought those fucking tickets, man? <laughs> I will say, man, I, I, I truly, like, I'm really bummed to, to, to not to miss out on seeing They Live. I really, really am. I really would have liked to see that in the theater. Uh, but it's just not going to work on either of those days. Obviously, the follow next week, Wednesday, is my back-to-school night, and then just stuff that we have going on Sunday isn't going to allow me to do it, so there's just, it's just not feasible. Um, same thing for the following Sunday for Christine. It's just not feasible to see, for me to see it on Sunday, but I've got to go see that on, on Wednesday, and I'll say that right here on our program. Uh, you know, I will have to miss portion of our show because of that, um, but sorry. That's just the way it's got to be. And then when we get how into October... How dare you miss part of our horror podcast to go watch a horror movie? What's wrong with you? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and it will be the same thing in October. On Wednesday, October 4th, it will be the same situation because there is no way uh, that I'm going to miss uh, seeing The Exorcist in the theater because I've never had that opportunity before, and that's also on a Wednesday. So I'll do the first part of the show also. But I'm not missing that. You know, like that's like... You know, arguably the greatest horror movie ever made. Uh, not not gonna miss it. So we have plenty of time to to talk about that. Um, Fathom Events is great. Uh, they they do that really cool shit and give us the opportunity to see these movies, if the ones, especially the ones that came out uh, in a generation before ours, before we would have had the time to like or the opportunity uh, to to go on our own and be like, oh yeah, we're going to the movies and we're gonna go see uh, you know Christine or you know they live or whatever. Especially the Exorcist wasn't even fucking born yet. I don't think. Uh, now, um, horror stories, not American Horror Story, uh, which I was into a while, but like fell off at some point. I've missed the last several seasons of American Horror Story. But we've talked many times on the show about American Horror Stories, the anthology series uh, that they launched. Uh, uh, you know, where each episode is a, a whole whole different story. The first season of American Horror Stories came out in 2021 
seven episodes, followed by season two in 2022, which featured eight episodes. Um, I don't know if it's because of diminished returns or interest, but there is going to be a third season of American Horror Stories, and all four of these episodes are going to be released on the same night uh, on October 26th on Hulu. Uh, they And they use this term for real, but they're calling it a Huluween uh, event uh, uh, you know, to celebrate, uh, <laughs> to celebrate uh, the release. Here. But yes, American Horror Story Season 3 is only four episodes. I don't know if this means the last of American Horror Story or not, um, but only four episodes all being released on the same night, uh, and that night is October 26th. So if you've been a fan of American Horror Story as well as American Horror Stories, uh, you do have four more stories coming on the stories side. And, of course, the flagship series, American Horror Story, uh, the new season is upcoming, and, and this uh, one, uh, unfortunately, in my opinion, fortunately for others, I'm sure, will feature uh, Kim Kardashian as one of the main players. Indeed. Sexy Kim and her big old bootay. Um, yeah. uh, very hard <laughs> Um, You know, like, I, I watched the first season of that, and, and there was, it was it's just like any anthology series. Some episodes were good. Some episodes were, like, meh. But overall, I really did enjoy the series. Um, and, you know, I just, we just never got around to watching the next season. But I'm also a full season behind on American Horror Story. Uh, we didn't watch NYC at all. And I know the new season's coming up, which I guess uh, it'll be Emma Roberts and uh, – and uh, I think it's Emma Roberts. Maybe it's not Emma Roberts. Is it Emma Roberts? Uh, I, I forgot. I thought Emma Roberts was on another. I thought Emma Roberts was on another one. Uh, I, I know Kim K is, is is one of the the big players, but one of the other, you know, one of the other female actresses that's been in the in the series for years is kind of stepping up into like the main role as some people have, I guess, departed. Okay. Um, what what what's the anthology series? Um, cool. Uh, is it anything where you have to have any knowledge of the other series or anything like that? Like, does it tie into the universes of the seasons, or is it something where you can just go in as a blind watch? So you can go in, and it is Emma Roberts. So I was I was right about that. Um, so 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 with the anthology series, right? It's one of those that, yes, okay, could you go in without ever seeing any of the other seasons? Yeah, you could. Um, but the American Horror Stories all kind of took place within the universes of the other seasons. So if you have knowledge of certain things or certain characters, it certainly enhances the flavor of the anthology series. So like oh, okay. I got you. The first season of, of American Horror Story was Murder House. And the anthology yeah, series... Yeah, I did watch if that If I remember one. right, the... Okay, so the anthology series, the bookend episodes, your first and last episode, all took place within that Murder House, just at different times than what you saw in the original series. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I was just curious because I only watched season one, but then the diva, I think, 
she watched up until whichever season was the witch season, and I don't, don't think she's gotten caught up on any of them. But I know that she did enjoy the story from what she was watching. Okay. Yeah. So 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 yeah, that was season three was Coven. Um, you know which. Yeah, I, I was weird with that. Like, I didn't watch season two. I didn't watch season three. But then Freak Show was season four and was fantastic. Um, and then I ended up going back and watching Coven and 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 Asylum, which was the second season. Uh, we avoided Hotel for a number of years, but eventually went and watched that one. Uh, yeah, and again, like we we caught up, we caught up up until halfway through the season prior to NYC. Uh, where they did the double feature, where, like, the first half of the season was, like, this weird vampire-esque tale in, like, New England, and the other half of it was, like, a 1950s black-and-white-esque, like, alien invasion. Like, and, and, like, that might not even have been for the whole second half. They might have, like, updated that to, like, present time and went into color and stuff, but we just never got, like, that far into it because, like... By that point, like, that first half of the season was kind of ho-hum. So the second half of that was already starting off bad, and it was like, yeah, I ain't feeling this one. But, well, I, I know us. We'll eventually circle back around to it. <laughs> After you're all caught up on Love Island. <laughs> well, we finished Temptation Island, and Love Island we kind of, like, stalled on and – yeah, and unfortunately with that series, the problem is if you're not up to date on it live, then you need to avoid all the shit that's fun to do with it, which is like get on the app and vote and all of this and that. Because if, like, I go on the app, it's going to show me what the current things are and who's still there. And I don't want to see that. Like, yeah, and the idea of Love Island is you can watch it on mute because, you know, you're really just there to admire the scenery. <laughs> I like the movie Honey. Yeah, you've liked that one since it came out, man. You've been a fan of that for a very long time. Dude, I still can barely tell you what the fucking movie is about, okay? But I know watching Jessica Alba gyrate around on that fucking screen, all sweaty and shit like that, and all kinds of little hot ghetto outfits. Fuck yeah, I like that movie. Yeah, man. <laughs> that movie with the scuba diving with Paul Walker. Ooh. Into the Blue. Yes, that one with uh, with with, with uh, Jessica Alba, and they're all like, indeed, and Paul Walker, rest in peace. On the, on the book. Brian, yes, may, Brian he, may he may he rest in peace. Yeah. Uh, Brian so, so, yeah, so that's what what's you, a serial killer. Uh, something something <laughs> something like that. Uh, Freddie Prinze Jr. What are you doing, man? Uh, what are you doing, Dean? <laughs> uh, um, I didn't know that everyone we went to school with was a professional dancer. Uh, the, uh, you know, as well as the anthology, uh, you know, series. I, I, if I brought this up on last week's show, sometimes I don't get to all the, the news items that are on, on my list. So if I brought this one up last week, uh, you know, cut me off with, without fear of retribution. Because uh, I think this one might have gotten cut off. Uh, there, I feel, was so much buzz around the first few seasons of uh, – uh, and I'm I'm going by the specific details of release date. I don't have in front of me because this is from last week's notes. But uh, the first few seasons on Shutter and and partnering with AMC about uh, Creepshow had so much buzz, and then I hadn't heard anything. But I learned that uh, there is a fourth season of Creepshow that is about to debut. Uh, you know, on 
all of the properties with Shutter and the AMC Plus streaming service getting uh, six episodes that are going to come out at the same time. And then I think on the actual AMC network channel, it will be a weekly release. But uh, there is going to be a fourth season of Creepshow, uh, which kind of got me excited. And the other day, I started watching again, picking up where, where I had left off. So I don't know if I talked about that last week. If I did, forgive me. I just feel like when our show was over and I was thinking back on the show and, and, and things I got to on my list and not, I think maybe I forgot to get to that one or didn't have time to get to that one last week. No, that's cool, man. We, yeah, we didn't cover it last week. And, yeah, it's like because I enjoyed season one, I enjoyed season two. And then I think, was season three the one that they tried to do during COVID? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, that was the one where it was like a little rough to watch. Like it, it just didn't seem to have the, the the same quality for that one. So I I was only, only able to make it about halfway through. But yeah, you know I need to and, get back on to watch watching that. Thanks for reminding me, Dean. <laughs> yeah, and one one of the episodes of the upcoming fourth season uh, is going to feature uh, none other than Tom Atkins in a, in a feature role. Oh, oh yeah! <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> the fucking stash. <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course. Uh, you know, genre, um, genre mainstay, uh, and was also in the original Creep Show film. So, uh, hell he yeah, hearing in in one of the episodes of season four. So um, I, I know, unfortunately, our, our, our king of horror is dealing with whatever infection is impelling his gigantic penis, uh, and he would be excited to know uh, <laughs> that he is a, 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 a proud fan of Tom Atkins, uh, you know, would, would be pleased to know that he will be appearing in the upcoming season of Creepshow 4. I don't know what episode will be... Uh, he will be in one of the episodes. Very, very cool, man. <laughs> yeah. And then, as I look at the clock, um, you know, I know this is the part of the show where it starts to get a little anxiety, uh, but there's one of, one of the it's things o- that I want okay, to dude. bring up. Okay. <laughs> uh, there is one other thing that I want to bring up. And, uh, you know, this particular film uh, has been... Uh, debated and argued and talked about, and there's been like essays uh, written about it, um, and people have a lot of strong opinions. And I'm talking about none other, uh, and you know, in recent years it became a whole a whole franchise. Uh, but I'm talking about the original 1978 film from director. Excuse me, Director Meyer Zarchi. I'm talking about 1978's I Spit on Your Grave. Um, arguably one of the most, uh, you know, films, one of the films that has brought about the most debate, um, you know, in, in our genre, uh, with some uh, firmly standing on their opinions that it is nothing but trash, um, and others on the other side of that coin saying that it, it's filmmaking. Uh, whichever side of the argument uh, you stand upon, I have learned that Printed in Blood, which is a publisher of art books, 
uh, is going to be putting out a 45th anniversary collector's edition. They're calling it a script book uh, for 1978's I Spit on Your Grave. It's going to be 144 pages of essays, art, and ephemera related uh, to the film. Uh, and also to celebrate, and I didn't know this had happened, but to, and this is pretty cool, to celebrate the inclusion of the original film negative script and other artifacts from the film into the Museum of Modern Art's permanent film archive in New York City, uh, where it will be uh, taking its place alongside such notable films as Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Taxi Driver. Um, this uh, script book uh, is, uh, the, 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 I guess, the main edition is only 40 bucks, but is limited to just 500 copies. And there's going to be a signature edition for $100 and then what they're calling a dual uh, signature for $150. Uh, it's planning to ship somewhere around November 22nd, which is the 45th anniversary of this film being released. And again, that's 1978. I spit on your grave. That is some very cool news right there, man. <laughs> it's good to see, yeah, I see saved, I saved the old school horror movies getting some love and some respect. Yeah. I, <laughs> I saved that one for last. I have, I have a lot of strong opinions about that one that mostly, you know, that, that pretty much all of them uh, tend, trend towards the positive side. I'm a fan and supporter of that particular film. And not only that, and we've talked endlessly on this show at different times about how, uh, you know, our memories of wandering into that forbidden horror section in the video store uh, that uh, that cover of like the bloody muddy butt cheeks uh, with like uh-huh. a kind of loincloth-y type of outfit, uh, the hand holding a knife, like walking away from 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 the cover, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is one of those is one of those uh, film VHS covers from the video store years of my youth uh, that has such an indelible uh, has left print on my memory. Yeah, dude. Yeah, the co- the cover alone like just burns into your memory. <laughs> it's just one of those classic covers, man. Hundred percent, man. Big time. Yeah, like, so, so yeah, yeah, that's one of those two where it was like, yeah, I think for me, part of that also kind of came in because it was almost like, it was almost like you could understand why like certain horror movies were considered like X-rated because it almost had like a porn-esque look to it, you know? So it's almost like if you poked your head in behind that curtain for a yeah. split second and you might see some like boobs, some ass, like this was just like risque enough to kind of like be like, hmm, is there something sexy about this movie? Uh, yeah. And then you go and watch the movie and you're like, no, no. Keep talking about that ghoul, or you guys, if you want, can swing it into tonight's main feature. I just got to step away for about 20 seconds. I'll be right back. Oh, okay. <laughs> God damn it, Dean. What are you doing, man? Looking so unprofessional here. So, so, so Monkey, how often did you spank to the uh, I Spit on Your Grave video box art? <laughs> ah, no, it's, it's like, yeah, it, it, was, it was pretty fucking hot. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But but again, that once you go and then watch the actual material, then it's just like oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, no, nope. fuck no. Mm-mm. At that point, you're like, yeah, there's nothing sexy about this at all. Not nothing. Nope. Well, maybe maybe a little bit. 
Oh, no, sorry. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh. Maybe. <laughs> uh, is fun, Maybe dude. you're kidding. Maybe DMC you're not. Is fun. <laughs> you, you, you don't know our sense of humor. You can't judge us at home. This is our podcast. That's right, Dan. Yeah, this is Say our what podcast. We want. And what our we podcast. <laughs> you know, this is our time. This came up in conversation <laughs> with somebody recently. Uh, it's our time down here. This came up, this came up in, in conversation. Up there. It's their time up, up there. there. But down here, it's, their it's time. our time. It's, it's there. our time down, down here. here. And that all it's ends our time. you write up Troy's bucket. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I'm not a Cooney. I just want to go home. Uh, it, it, what's, what's funny, and I know we've been calling it forever, and uh, this came up in conversation just, just recently the other day. Uh, that that truly uh, what we do uh, isn't really a podcast. We're we're just a live internet radio show, um, but we can continue to call it a podcast. That's fine. It's just you know when when we were talking about these things, uh, you know I was talking to someone else and we were talking about podcasts and and talking terror came up and, and everything. So I just think that's funny. Uh, but anyway, uh, are we ready to move on to tonight's main event? Yep. All right. So ah, here we go. So tonight's horror flick tonight. is, is yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was go going ahead, to D. say tonight's uh, tonight's horror film that is primed for discussion uh, is a pick of our Mad Monkey himself, and we're talking about the 1982 film directed by Paul Schrader, starring Natasha Kinski, uh, Malcolm McDowell, uh, John Hurd, and Annette O'Toole, and we're talking none other. Other about none other than 1982's Cat People. Monkey, why don't you? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So tonight's horror flick is the story of Irene and Paul Gallier, two estranged siblings who are reuniting as adults after years of separation due to the foster care system and possibly a psych ward or two. While learning about the wonders of New Orleans, she is also learning about her own sexuality and what it means to be a woman in desire. But will her desire destroy her lover? Yeah. Her family are the keepers of a very ancient secret. For they are the cat people. All right. So, all right. Okay. This movie's been on my. So what you what you think for? Wait, 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 yeah. So, okay, so yeah, this so movie's been on my list for a real long time. All right, you see, back in the day, my introduction to horror as a kid was with my older sister, Debbie. All right, now when I say older, I mean she's like 12 oh, years older than Debbie. me. So like when I was, uh, <laughs> so, when I, so when I was in kindergarten, she was like junior in high school or some shit. She always loved two things. Like, she loved her horror and herself. She was always reading horror novels, going to horror movies and theaters, and then she, and she was also the one that introduced me to horror like TV shows, like Tales from the Dark Side and Dark Room. It, when she wasn't doing that, she was always working on herself, working out, doing diets, never drank, never smoked, and always tanning. Lots of tanning. And then she moved to Jersey, and it got more extreme with constant plastic surgery. So it's like first it was her boobs, then her boobs again, then the nose, next her ass, then her chin, then I think a, a third boob job, all while doing constant Botox and shit like that. It got to a point where it's like Mon- we, call, we called her – yeah? What's her number? Yeah. <laughs> Believe. Well, wait. Okay, because here's where we go. All right. And it got to a point, like, we yeah. called her, like, she was, our, she was our little Jersey Barbie doll because, like, it got to a point she was more plastic than human. 
but she always forgot to do her hands. Uh, so she always, so she always had these kind of wrinkly, like oh, dark crinkle skank. Well, she had so so, but now she has these fucked up dark dark crystal skexies hands. <laughs> but Ooh, for all the particular shit, about hands. <laughs> but for all the shit, she, like she was always approved. She always wanted people to look, but never touch. She was like fucking weird like that. She hated sex. It was like probably because she like she was from England and took after my mom, who was also a prude. But back to 1983, <laughs> all right? Back, back, back then, the cable company used to send out these little coming attraction booklets. I don't know if you guys remember or not. They were always like, you know, here's what's coming to your cable box next month. It, it, you know, and then it would have the movies, show the movie poster and a short synopsis and what channel it was, was on. So I saw this movie. In the booklet, and I was like, "Cool, a monster movie." And you know, I'd never seen a horror movie yet, but I've seen tons of monster movies. So I just sit down to watch this thing, and then Debbie walks into the room. Debbie had obviously seen this movie before me because she went running across the room as the opening credits are rolling, and, like flying, lunges, pushes me out of the way, turns off the TV, and then fucking narks on me. My sister that I watched horror TV shows with. Fucking narcs on me. She yells to mom, William's trying to watch a movie with blood and gore, nudity, intense, and sex. He's trying to watch sex. My mom comes flying into the room, loses her shit, beats my ass, all while Debbie is standing there with her arms crossed approvingly. Like, I did some shit like trying to set the house down when all I was trying to do was watch a fucking horror movie. So here I am, finally watching this movie for the first time, and to make a very long story short, to quote Eminem, Fuck you, Debbie! All right. So, after finally a lot of family trouble being, being up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So after finally seeing this movie, That's I gotta okay. say this That's movie okay. is we odd. Can, we can we can we can use your we can use our platform here for some some family therapy for for you, monkey. So if, if you need if you need more, please like by all means keep going. If it's if it's feeling therapeutic and you're getting it all out there, like let fly then. <laughs> I just wanted to watch cat people. But, yeah, so I finally got to yeah. watch it. And, yeah, this, this was a weird one, man. It's like, what did you think about cat people? It was definitely a slow burn that didn't exactly know its own fucking story. And, like, what story we got from them, they, like, had some huge plot holes in it. Like, the movie, like, also threw me off because, like, there were definitely two different styles of filming here. Like, there was these super pretty, very polished bits that, like, looked like music videos. Like, they were crisp and clear and, like, you know, really nice artsy shots. And then there was the rest of the film. It looked like standard 1980s film quality. Like, just pick a filming style. It was throwing me off. And, like, and every time I thought the movie was over, it seemed like there was another fucking 30 minutes of movie left. Like, there was so many mm-hmm. times where this movie could have could have ended and it didn't. And at the core of its movie, this film was supposed to be a hot film full of hot sex, full of hot weird cats, slaughtering the hell out of a, a bunch of people. Where was it? Like, we had some, but I wanted more. I wanted way more. So, like, this movie, like, was a great concept, but, like, this movie, in my opinion, like, you know, just stumbled in its execution. So that's what I thought of this movie. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Ghoul, please tell us <laughs> your thoughts on 
Scott people from 1982. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Let, let me lick my asshole a little bit first. Um, yeah, there we go. Ooh, get that culo, daddy. Uh. <laughs> so, so I, I mean. cat people from 1982. So, you know, this is one of those films... Um, you know that I, I actually remember quite quite vividly from my childhood. Uh, not so much of seeing it, even though I did uh, watch this when I was younger. Uh, I don't really have much memory of watching it at that age, mostly because it didn't have a lot of exciting scenes in it. You know, like the things that I do remember were like specific little things, like mostly like really the cats in the cages and shit. Cause you know, again, as a kid that loved animals, but it was like, you know, Ooh, look, kitty cats. Ooh, there's a tiger. There's this, there's that. Um, but really, you know, like what, what I remember with cat people is how popular this movie was with the eighties. You know, Natasha Kinski was like being touted at this time as being like this up and coming young actress that, uh, you know, I guess she was a model and like, you know, they, they had all these big things that were going to be going on with this, with this young lady. And, uh, and, and yeah, so like, I, I, I vaguely have like slight memories of this film going into it to watch it now. You know, I think I did see it one other time prior to this viewing, but again, kind of just, you know, in and out of my, of my brain. Similar to the monkey here, it's kind of like yeah, this this movie is like scattered like a dream, and maybe it's it's meant to be done that way. It feels like a music video at times, you know. Except it's a fucking two hour long music video. There are some fun sequences that occur. There's a couple small bits of gore that happen, and and I'm very happy with that. I like the majority of the cast in this film. I just wish the story as a whole was better narratively done to make a more cohesive story and, and, and to have it have like a, a, a good start point and a, a better finality to the end of it as well. Because, I mean, we'll get there obviously when we get to the, to the end of the film, which, you know, we'll do in fast forward motion for this, this episode because the king wasn't here. So we went over time, baby, with the fucking horror news because we didn't have anybody yelling at us to get to the movie. <laughs> we can do that. That was my feeling. You this is our broadcast. My feelings on cat people. Meow. 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 What about you, Dean? How did you feel about cat people? You said it. You said it, not me. Let me tell you how I felt about cat people. So uh, I'm going to share the image. Uh, I'm going to share the image to the group. But this is one of those uh, cat people from 1982. Uh, this is one of those where uh, the following image incoming uh, artwork is one like in a different way uh, than I spit on your grave, but the cover art is so striking to me and yeah, also striking, but a film uh, that until my viewing for tonight's episode, I had never seen before. Um, so I didn't know what I was getting into. And as I was watching this from the opening sequence with, with the, the ancient times and, and the ceremony uh, that then into uh, to modern day, uh, where we link up with uh, Natasha, excuse me, uh, Natasha Kinski's character, um, had no idea what this movie was about. And I feel for certain, like between the opening 
And then the plot, when we're in modern times, uh, in uh, New Orleans, uh, this is like the kind of movie that I feel could only have been made in 1982. Uh, one from like the kind of all over the place bizarro cast uh, with Natasha Kinski, who um, was she the one? Uh, and I forgive me, the 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 title is escaping me. Was she the one who played like a like a sub like a cyborg assassin and of all people Gregory Hines was like the cop that was assigned to track her down? Does that ring any bells to you? Was that oh, Natasha Kinski? Uh, are you are you, t- are you talking about something Eve? I'm I don't know. I'd have to look it up. Or maybe it was Natasha Henstridge. I think it was in Natasha that's anyway. The, that's Natasha but, Henstridge. That's Henstridge okay, that you're thinking about there. I think I right. think you're right, monkey. I think it is. It's like Killing Eve or something like that. Or, or Eve of Destruction I'll look it up, it up after this. But, yes, Eve of but Destruction. What a that is it. Dude, great call, monkey. That is fucking it. Eve of Destruction, bro. I totally remember that series. There's like multiple movies in that one, if I remember right. No, no. If, if there are, like... Eve, yeah, Eve of Destruction. Yeah, here I'm looking at it right now. I didn't mean to go down this fucking this fucking side this side hole right now. But Eve of <laughs> and uh, no, it's not. No, it wasn't Natasha. It's, it's not somebody Natasha named Renee Sonjadjek. Yeah. Sonjadjek. <laughs> no, Dick. I'm totally wrong. <laughs> anyway, anyway my point. Dick. <laughs> so, um, I'm, I'm, apparently, apparently, I'm, I'm, I'm wrong on all counts. Uh, so forgive me, but anyway, uh, this is a film, uh, Cat People, getting, sure, getting back to it, who, uh, I think I'm kind of glad that I watched it now versus back then, but what a wacky film all over the place with, uh, you know, Natasha Kinski, who I don't know from other films or, or whatnot, but you have, you have, uh, sorry, my, my computer's fucking glitching up on me. You have, uh, Sean Hurd, who... When I when I was watching like the opening credits, I like it registered in my head as John Hurt. And then when the fucking dad from Home Alone shows up, I was like, "What the fuck is he doing here?" And then you have Ed <laughs> Begley Jr. of all people. Um, uh, you have Ed Begley Jr. of all people, and uh, Transylvania and Malcolm six, McDowell. Five, uh, like, yeah, Transylvania six five thousand. Uh, uh, the the one with Roseanne. Uh, she she devil. Oh, um, yeah, that's it. She devil. And uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, just um, what a bizarro fucking world of 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 cats and uh, or or panthers, whatever you want to call them, and and, and history and and cat people and 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 transformations and 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 arms getting eaten and sex, uh, just a strange movie that I feel like I, I, I could be wrong, but I feel mm-hmm. like and, and like Paul Schrader as the, as the director, I just, I feel that a lot of cocaine uh, was consumed in, in making this. <laughs> and and uh, not, not in the way that you were all joking about my pick last week, The Seventh Curse. I think it was the the king who was really beating the drum about about cocaine uh, because of how crazy that film was in in different ways but i feel like this was in the era where like i feel like this film was made in the era where yeah it was cocaine but like 
it had started to become a problem amongst the users of it, you know, like the fun <laughs> of it had subsided, and now people were like a little strung out and just throwing shit at the wall and, and would see what would stick. Because uh, this one was kind of all over the place. I, I truly am glad that I had the opportunity to see it because, in, you know, with, with the list of things that I have a mile long on the, the list of things that I will watch, uh, you know, versus the things that I want to watch that probably will never see, um, I don't know that I would pursue this and watch this one on my own. But given my memories with just the, the artwork imagery that I shared in the group just before, uh, I'm glad that I finally had to, the opportunity to, to watch this film, uh, even if I didn't love this film. Uh, but what a wacky now, co- So 80s cocaine notwithstanding, you know, you got to remember something, though. This is a movie that's based off of a 1942 film, which basically is telling the same exact story. You know, the, the, the people are from an ancient tribe who turn into Black Panthers when they're aroused. Um, yes. You know, in, in, in that film, you know, it does play out a little bit differently in which it's like a husband and wife. And I think, like, the husband goes after, like, another girl. So the wife starts to, like, to go after her or something. Like, he might, if I remember right, he's going after, like, his fucking co-worker or some shit. And, like, she starts to stalk the co-worker. Um, this obviously takes it into, like, a, a weird, weird incestuous type of thing. And, again, like you said, like, this is only something that happens in, like, the early 80s. you got to remember something. At this same time... Like I say with everything, right? Porn always tells you where things are trending in the world. In the early 1980s, at this point, one of the most popular pornography series was what was called Taboo, which was all about fucking moms and their kids and dads and their daughters, all of them fucking, which was like absurd, like how that even became popular at the time. But it was like huge like again one of those moments where porn became like like regular pop culture level stuff um i will not confirm nor deny as to whether or not i've ever seen it but i do know that the one son's name is paul oh you've seen it (laughs) i'm paul and it's between you all of course of course i've seen it um it's a great fucking scene with Aunt Peg and a fucking massage table and some random dude that, like, happens to come in like a delivery boy. It's fucking fantastic. Kay Parker. Jesus Christ. Um, but, yeah, like, like, like you said, man, like, this, this movie is like this, this weird cavalcade of just utter insanity between, like, the, the different performances. You got, like, Annette O'Toole, who's only, like, 20 years old, you know? Like, when I saw, like, I see this, like, redhead, like, kind of, like, pop up. And, like, I saw the name in the credits, and I was like, oh, Annette O'Toole, I know that name. You know, I know that actress. And then when I saw her, I was like, oh, shit, it's Beverly from It, you know? It's fucking Lana Lang from Superman 3. Oh, it's man. Ma Kent And from looking Smallville. hot in this movie. <laughs> she was looking great. She was, again, only 20 years old at the time, you know, so so she's in an early role. Ed Begley Jr., who's like one of those where, like, I'm so used to seeing him as, like, a, a middle-aged dude with glasses, seeing him as a young guy. Like, if it wasn't for the fact that he was, like, you know, 10 feet taller than the rest of the cast, I might not necessarily have, like, recognized him at first. But between that and, like, one of those, like, goofy faces he made, I was like, oh, shit, it's Ed Begley Jr. Um, and, and all of these were things that flew way by me when I was a kid, you know. But now it's like I'm looking at it and it's kind of like it's like seeing all these familiar old friends, but, like, in something you've never seen them in before. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> But, but yeah, I, yeah, I and this movie's trying and, to like tell us this tale of like female empowerment, but I, I never quite see it get there. 
Yeah, it's like, yeah, because this movie is like, well, you know, it starts off, uh, like we said, about, you know, the ancient uh, worshipping of, you know, these fucking panthers and shit like that, and, you know, and these magical panthers and, you know, part of their tribe and all that kind of shit. And I wish we had gotten more story about this in the opening about, you know, how they're revered creatures, how they're special creatures. And we don't really get that. We just get a fucking quick five minute music video, you know, showing this stuff, which again was shot beautifully. And I fucking loved it, but I wanted more story here to to set the background and, you know, give us the basis behind, you know, this ancient culture, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. There's this one, too, that with the popularity of the movie, I'm surprised that this has never been revisited with a remake or, you know, again, this is one of those where it seems like it's just wide open for like a series, like a late night Cinemax series where you can still keep it all sexy and incestuous, but like really delve into like what this. These, these people are, like where they come from, like what, what is all this origin shit? Because, yeah, aside from getting this 2001-esque like, beginning, you know, you, you kind of really don't get anything, you know? Malcolm is literally going to get on, on screen and just fucking pretty much be like, hey, everybody, I'm Malcolm McDowell, look at me, you know? And he, like, hops up on the bed, and he's, <laughs> like, he's overplaying everything without being, like, too in your face about it, but at the same time, too, everything's done with, like, a fucking twirl and a, and, a, and a prance. And it's almost like, you know, was he thinking this was a musical? Because, like, I feel like this should have been a musical with the way Malcolm McDowell performed in it. <laughs> and I was loving it, man. I, I was loving what bit we got. But the bitches, it's like we, we get introduced to the two of them, you know, I, Irene and Paul, and super quick, we're like, we get introduced to them. You know, we learned that they were separated when they were little kids, you know, but because of, you know, the parents dying. She went off to foster care. Apparently, he went off to some psych wards. But they grew up in a circus family, you know, where they sit there and, uh, excuse me, you know, were part of an animal act. But And we have some quick bonding of them remembering some of the stuff of them being in circuses, and then he kind of fucking disappears. Like, we get him, and then he fucking <laughs> disappears. It's like, and unfortunately, he disappears for a lot of the movie because apparently he decides to sit there and go visit a prostitute, and that's where we get to see everyone go all fucking SWAT team on this <laughs> Excuse me, whorehouse where there's a big fucking cat in it. Whorehouse. Big fucking <laughs> Yeah. Which is weird because if you, if you go by the lore the rules. of what we're what were the rules, <laughs> how how it's being explained, he would have needed to fuck in order to turn. But she yes. wasn't there. Butthole. So who did he fuck? Like all I can think of is like maybe he went and fucked someone else. And he knew that he was going to turn because that's what you happen. That's what happens to the cat people is that they go and fuck a human, they turn into cats until they kill someone, and then they turn back to normal. But I always thought maybe he went and already fucked someone else, so he was trying to find an easy target to kill. So maybe that's why he went for the prostitute. I don't know. 
I don't know. It was, it was a curious but one. Yeah. I was wondering. Cause it, yeah. Later, I was wondering. Obviously, when this is happening, I have no fucking idea why, you know, since, since uh, right. I'm unaware of what these rules are at this point. But, you know, I'm looking at the bed, and I'm looking at, like, the fucking cat spit up, and I'm like, eh, fuck it. There's nothing worse in this world than, like, waking up in the morning and walking through your hallway and then, like, stepping directly into, like, one of your fucking cat's, like, hairballs or whatever it is that they fucking vomit up, oh, man. Oh, yeah. It, 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 it's enough to spend the day, like, <laughs> yeah, right, man. right downhill, right fucking quick, bro. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they, they grab the cat. Throw it in the fucking zoo. The worst fucking zoo ever because, like, there's no guardrails to keep the kids away from these fucking cages that's full of these fucking wild cats or anything like that. They say anyone could just walk right up to these fucking cages. Poor, poor, poor design. If anything, it's like, I was thinking, all right, if anything, it's the 80s, you know, so <laughs> fucking take care of your kids or the animals will, you know. <laughs> Like there's no, no fucking guardrails. <laughs> Keep your kids in check, or they're gonna be fucking <laughs> lion food. Um, and we come across Irina, who's visiting the fucking zoo. What you know, hanging out there, and you know, just drawing because she wants to be an artist. Cause so she's drawing, and then <laughs> that point gets and dropped. Our, you know, like, she, she's sketching this shit like she's, like, an artist, and she's, like, showing up there, and she's sketching. You know, we never see the sketch, and it's never, ever brought up again that she is an artist in any way. It's, it's brought up when they, go to di- when they go to dinner or something like that, and she talks about how she wants to be a commercial artist. You know, that, that's, ah. it's, it's brought, it brought up during the dinner thing. But, you know, of course, Oliver... You know, shows up running the zoo and all that kind of stuff and immediately starts hitting on her because it's late, touching her a lot. It's like, just met her and I'm just trying to put my hands all over you. You know, okay. How <laughs> it was done. 80s! Yep. <clears throat> and they, they go to dinner, you know, and then he's like, hey, you want to come work for me? At the zoo, this is like in no way trying to hit on you in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, everything's perfectly fine. You know, but then we get yeah, but then we get not the old zoo, the new zoo. (laughs) Yeah, the 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 fake zoo, (laughs) not the old zoo. Zoo by Mafu, Zubali Zoo, (laughs) with Ben Ben Vereen. Never, never mind. Mm. Never mind. But it's like I, I, I felt like this movie wasted a ton of time in the zoo. It's like there was like so much wasted screen time here. But it's like when we should have been like seeing killings going on around town or something like that. It's like he was too, you know, Paul was too easily caught. Like just spent too much time here, you know, in the cage. And it's like unfortunately, like this is where we spent a lot of our time is on this fucking zoo set. When instead, I wanted to see sex and killings and all that kind of shit. And the closest we get to it is when we have our boy Joe, you know, Ed Beagley, strap a zapper to his fucking arm because that's fucking smart. (laughs) You know, I I kind of got the sense in that sequence that... Yeah? Oh. Yeah? Is that what you thought? Really? In that sequence. Oh. Wow. Okay. And you thought that. <laughs> Thanks, Holy Dean. cow. 
I can't. Dean, wow, you know I what? I, I, I never saw it that way. Never saw it that way at all. <laughs> I, I, I can't believe it. It's it's got to be the deepest thing I've ever I've ever heard. Holy crap! <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you though, man. You know what I mean? Like at, at, at this point, I'm I'm sitting here wanting something to fucking happen. And just like you, you know, every time I'd end up pausing this movie, I'd see the runtime and be like, Jesus Christ, there's really that much left to go? Like, when the fuck is something going to occur here? Like, we get like the the littlest bit of fucking blood with the uh, with the, the hooker's uh, ankle. And then, yeah, then we're here in the fucking zoo, and, and like you said, worst zoo construction ever. Uh, yeah, I remember zoos like this when I was <laughs> a kid, but they always they always Thanks, had me. shit in front of, like, the, the open cages, which had animals that could potentially be violent, you know, like a tiger or something like that. You can never get so close that you could put your arms in that shit. Like, uh, again, I brought my kids to some some places when uh, when when they were young, with Donovan anyway. And, uh, like, I remember us being able to, like, reach out and, like, give the monkeys you know, like food right out of our hands because the monkeys could reach out of the cage yeah. and just take it right from you, you know? And even that, when you think about it, it was probably stupid when you think about how strong a monkey is. And here it is, I'm letting my fucking two-year-old give this thing a peanut. Um, how, how strong but, is the like, monkey? monkey well, uh, yeah, I'm really strong. strong. He's, got, he's got that <laughs> R strength, you know? Um, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. Wow. This is really went off the rails on that. My bad. So anyway, it's okay. We don't have the guess. we don't have the king. We can do that. <laughs> so yeah, like you know, again, this movie's like taking its fucking sweet ass time to finally get to, like you said, man, the fucking Ed Begley Jr.'s arm getting torn the fuck off. And, uh, and finally, we're going to get a little bit of splatter here. Some, some, I'll be honest, some actual good gore. You know, there is some good blood effect going on yeah. here. Because I, I you know what? Mm-hmm. When he reached his arm in, and I, I like jokingly said, I go, okay, here's the part where he's going to lose an arm, you know? But I figured his arm was going to get ripped up, torn up, like that type of deal. So when the arm gets completely Not literally like, ripped off. off at the shoulder, <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, I, was, I, felt the same, I felt the same way. I was excited about it, but I, what I thought – what I thought about the sequence that was quite entertaining is that, uh, you know, at, at no point did it seem like the cat had a grip on him above the elbow, you know? And then when they pulled him back and his arm was gone from like the fucking shoulder, I was like, Oh damn, that's fucking, I, I, I thought it was fucking hilarious. You know? <laughs> like fucking Monty oh, Python and the Holy Grail. It's just a flesh wound. <laughs> It just pops right off like a fucking G.I. Joe. <laughs> but apparently, yes, if you didn't know, that was Paul in cat form. <gasps> Surprise. Because now that he's had a chance to, like, you know, taste human flesh and kill, he's able to turn back into human form and go home and hit on his sister. Because it's the 80s and Return of the Jedi is going to be out next <laughs> the following year. Oh, you know, yeah, we got to start doing the incest Boy. shit now before Boy, George Lucas. Well, he, kissed, he kissed her in Empire, man. He kissed her in 81. Yeah, yeah, but we didn't know they were brother and sister until Jedi. Mm. <laughs> well, there was another. Yeah, but that... We just didn't know who it was. <laughs> ah, yeah. But, you know, Paul shows up, tries to hit on her, and then she runs out. And then cops show up, and I thought this was really, really cool. Cops show up at the house, and 
check the house and then find out that there's a fucking cage down there. There's bodies down in the cage in the basement. You know, the police dogs are going fucking nuts. And, the, you know, Paul is not around, but they go ahead and arrest the maid. All right. Famali, who we have not brought up. Famali. Okay. And, and when really they not, arrest Famali... Except for her name. Yeah, but here, yeah, here is where I think like they screwed up and like missed a big opportunity is because again we're talking New Orleans. Like I thought they would have like brought something in with her character. Again, this is me just being a white guy, you know. Is you know black woman in New Orleans and all the magic that's going on around the cat people. There were like they they would have had like some hoodoo voodoo angle with her about why she's with Paul and to, and kind of taking care of her and, you know. It would have made so, sense for them to do that. It would have made sense for her to have been part of, like, the tribe that, like, helped caretake these, these cat people who are revered. Because remember, we get a line, a drop line, that, you know, they were seen as kings, you know. So, so these people that were... We're, we're, we're laying with cats were at one point revered, you know, so it would have made sense for Bomale to have been along that. And we know she's taking care of Paul, and she's obviously taking the downfall for it. But you know what the worst part about this actress was? is her ability to act. Man, this woman could never get her eyes in the right location. The scene when she opens the door for them, if you watch carefully, right, you're going to see her looking, and she's not looking at either of them as they enter the house while she's busy saying hello to them. It's at, at, at this point of the film, I kind of started thinking maybe she was seeing, like, like ghost people, and we're going to see something happen later in the movie where, where, where Irina sees this woman who says something to her and then, like, disappears. So, like, at that point I was starting to think maybe that's who Famale was seeing, but this is also something that's going to happen in this movie and have zero consequence, zero reason, and zero explanation. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, so to fast forward, <clears throat> um, excuse me. To the end. Yeah, so uh, Irina's... <laughs> Yeah, I, I, yeah. Again, fuck it. <laughs> Irina is hanging out at Oliver's house, and Paul shows up, breaks into the place, goes nuts for some reason. You know, turns into an animal this time at by will alone. You know, again, you know what are the rules here? Because it's not like he had sex or anything like that. But now he can change at will. Goes to attack Irina because apparently. Brother and sister, they're only supposed to be having sex with each other to keep the race going. That's how it works. Maybe because he was all hot and bothered for his sister at that moment. Maybe he dropped a nut. And, like, maybe that's the thing. If he comes, he turns. Because, yeah, again, like, I, I don't necessarily know if this was at will as much as it was just, like, I'm a cat now because the storyline needs me to be. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Either way, Oliver shows up, she, uh, and Alice shows up. She takes out the cat, you know, and they go, do an autopsy on it. And then we have this weird-ass shit of them doing autopsies with tools, but there's no blood on the tools. Okay, thanks for that little fuck-up right there, guys. <laughs> they take the tools out of the cat, okay, there's man. no blood on them. 
but then the thing just explodes in a, you know, a shitload of gas and green slime. So sweet effects. Yeah. Like gremlins. Okay. And the arm. Yeah. And Rodney, Rodney Malcolm McDowell's arm. <laughs> but let's see here. Now to fucking super fast forward. Okay. So should we just say that her, oh, is, Irina and all of her fuck? <laughs> all right. They yep. fuck. Fucks. Yeah. They, yeah. They fuck. Um, she turns into a cat. She tries to kill him. And then she runs away. And then she comes back after a fucking helicopter chase scene. And she's like, I want you to fuck me. This time, hey, tie me to the bed. We're going to make it hot. We're going to make it kinky. You're going to tie my ass to the bed. We're going to fuck. And I, yep. <laughs> and, you know, so, yeah. Which you know, is all bizarre. I can, yeah. Well, you have this panther, yeah. right, that's been going around killing people. <clears throat> the entire fucking SWAT team is out there. You literally got a helicopter with a man with a fucking sniper rifle in it, right? But nobody shoots this thing. Like, at no point, nobody's like, hey, take the fucking shot. No, we're going to stand around and wait for the fucking zookeeper to come around again? Like, again, this thing has killed <laughs> multiple people at this point. You know this to be a dangerous <clears throat> animal. This fucking thing gets put down. You know, they don't know this cat from the other cat. They don't, they don't want to deal with the animal rights activists, Ben. They don't want to deal with that shit. This is all pre-Harambe, man. You know, at this point, people were still fucking, they would have killed that thing. They would have fucking worn it like a coat you know, with a fucking thing on its head with a fucking <laughs> like a wolf mouth letter. and shit. They were like, oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, Oh, yeah. And go ahead and just look up, like, you know, at, you at home, you know, whatever. Take the time. Look up cat people on IMDb just to see how many times they, like, definitely were not kind to these cats in this movie. They definitely did some shit to the cat. Holy shit. That sucks. <laughs> I hate hearing that shit. That sucks. That does suck. I'm just but saying, the, uh, you definitely know, before animal cruelty. <laughs> they fuck. And she turns. Yes, they do. She turns back to human. She, in the, in, the Wikipedia, in the Wikipedia, it says he ties her up and the then rapes her. Yeah, the no. Wikipedia. <laughs> it says <laughs> she, he rapes her. <laughs> Clearly, he does not. She, she is willing and wants it. And this is where, like, I yeah. really kind of just don't get it, right? Like, at the end of the film, like, especially if you, if you check the wiki, so, like, he turns wiki. her into a fucking cat, right? And, and she says she yeah. wants to be with her own. So he puts her in a fucking cage in the zoo? Yeah. And by that, I took it as in, like, you know, she wanted to be, like, Brought to the fucking wild somewhere and released. Not sucking a fucking yeah. cage for him to look at while fucking his redheaded simp girlfriend who fucking knows that he loves somebody else, but now it's just fucking him because, you know, fucking her because his girlfriend actually ditched him. You know, like, you read the fucking wiki on it. The shit says, like, you know, at the end, he roars in, uh, uh, what's the exact word? Shit, 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 shit. Oh, it's, it's something like she wars with, with pride. And I'm like, what do you mean pride? The fucking poor thing is stuck in a fucking cage. Yeah. She roars yeah. with dignity. Agreed, man. She roars with dignity. That's what you see as this fucking man, okay, who fucked this woman into being a cat again, okay, is giving her scraps of food and a couple of 
pets behind the ear. Meow. Meow. Wow. Dignity. That's My like ass, you get man. strapped behind the ear, dude. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I am 100% with the goal here where it's like, yeah, she was asking to be set free, not to be put into a fucking cage. But, again, it's like this also could be showing how that's what she wanted, but the guy wasn't willing to let her go, so he's keeping her trapped. That's right. Because that's, that's how it was. That's how it was. Men in the 80s, man. You bastards. <laughs> the interesting times. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. But that is cat people. And then, and, indeed. But cat, <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then to make it worse, it's like says, song by David Bowie in the opening credits. And then once the credits start to roll, it's like, oh, shit, I'm excited. I get to hear a David Bowie song I'd never heard before. I wish I hadn't heard it. Holy shit, it's it's a horrible, horrible song. And I was just like, oh, my God, David Bowie, why why did you do this? Oh, man. Yeah, it's money. so bad. But, <laughs> yes, money. But that is the end of Cat People. So next week, Ghoul, it's your pick, right? Or is it? Yes, indeed. So So here in this movie... We spoke about people that turned into monsters. And this was a, a fantasy, flight of fiction, that type of, type of deal. I'm going to take this to, and, and guys, if, if you know this to be a movie we've covered already, please let me know. But I'm going to go and take us into a little bit more serious territory, a little less sexy than Ooh. we've been for the last month. I'm going to go with some, some real-world violence, maybe not necessarily a horror movie as much as just a, a horrible, horrible life. Uh, we are going to go with Monster, with uh, Charlize Theron. Oh, fuck oh, that's you. about uh, True Life oh, Serial Killer, Eileen Wero. Yes, sir. Oh, all right. We're going Monster next week, everybody. Some real-life serial killer shit. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is what happens in a horror, in my opinion. Monkey? Uh, why don't you go ahead yeah. and sign yourself up? All right. Thanks for listening to tonight's episode of Talking Terror, everybody, and letting us come in your ears. Good night, everybody. Mwah. Cool. Uh, well, you know, everybody, thank you again for joining us on this very special Kingless edition of Talking Terror. We <laughs> hope we kept you entertained. We hope you, you were happy. We hope you laughed with us. Ha, 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 ha. Because, you know, we're all about the humor, we're all about the fun, and remember, we're just assholes, so don't, don't take offense at anything we really say. Uh, besides that, stay scared. <laughs> stay scared, everybody. Yes, and I'm your old pal, the Dean of Horror, saying, uh, hail yourselves, uh, hail, hail odorous, uh, keep America strong, uh, watch horror movies. <laughs> Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Blog Talk Radio. <laughs>